Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Thank you for joining us on the Resilient Cyber Podcast. This is Chris Hughes with my co-host, Dr. Nikki Robinson. Hey, everybody. We actually have a little bit different episode today. I was able to convince Chris to kind of give us a deep dive into cloud and cloud security. You know, we spent our first episode kind of talking about vulnerability chaining in my research. Uh, So now we're going to dive into all things cloud and all things cloud security. So Chris, so my first question for you, I'm interested, and I'm sure lots of other people are too, kind of what first interested you getting into cloud technology, learning about cloud, and then pursuing a career in cloud security? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. So for me, uh, at the time, it was kind of happenstance. I was working for a, a Navy organization called NIWIC, uh, NIWIC Atlantic, or, or used to be called SpayWar at the time, when I was supporting the Defense Health Agency. And they were going through a transition period where they were looking to migrate to the cloud, you know, using AWS for some of their early cloud pilot activities. Um, and basically, I got kind of dubbed as the, the cloud security lead, uh, the ISSM at the time, as they used that term in, in government information system security manager responsible for that system as they were going through that migration. You know, so I didn't know anything at all about cloud at the time. And I started looking into it and, and, you know, I knew I had to learn, right? So I started looking into it. The first place I started was uh, actually ISC Square's CCSP credential, which is Certified Cloud Security Professional, because I found it and it seemed to be a good vendor agnostic way to approach cloud security, you know, before diving into AWS or Azure or any of the other cloud service providers, just to get a fundamental understanding of, you know, what is cloud? What is IaaS or PaaS or SaaS or, you know, what is the shared responsibility model? Those kind of things. So I started there. And as I started learning, you know, I have a history of, as I said, I was prior active duty in the Air Force. Uh, you know, I was a Navy civilian for about four and a half years. I've worked in the defense space for quite some time. And as I started learning about cloud and just what it was capable of from, from a technology perspective, it really caught my interest. And that's kind of where it started for me. And then at the time, there was also some communication coming out from the DOD CIO who basically laid out four top priorities for DOD in terms of technology. And among the four were cloud and cybersecurity. I had already had the cybersecurity background and experience, but I was new to cloud. So I figured if I can couple the cloud technology with cybersecurity and focus on cloud security, it would likely bode well for me in terms of career. And I also looked into, of course, you know, just how many organizations were adopting cloud, where things were headed. That that kind of what is what started me on the path. And then from there, I've worked in various different roles, focused on cloud and cloud security, including FedRAMP, you know, which is the, the federal marketplace for cloud computing that's done through GSA and then various different cloud security architect and engineering roles, consulting roles. So it's all kind of built from that initial time at the Navy, basically, where I was put in a position to be responsible for something I wasn't familiar with. And then I'd start taking a look and just realizing like truly the capability that it provided. And that's kind of where it sparked the interest. Yeah, that's awesome. I We, we had talked about this on a couple of previous episodes, but it's always interesting. I, I always think it's interesting to learn about how people kind of navigated through their career, kind of how they ended up where they're at. I think that's one of those things that kind of led me to is it was like, oh, I'll just, I'll try Citrix. Yeah, I can do that. Why not? So that kind of leads us into our next question for, you know, how you got into cloud and what kind of recommendations would you give for junior people or people looking to get into the field, whether in IT or security? Where should they start? Should, what certification should they look at? How, sh- how can they get into learning more about the cloud? 
Yeah, definitely. There's, uh, you know, the good thing is there's so many different training providers. This is something I realized years ago when I first started, there were still a lot of options, but it's, it's even more so now. You know, I can't say for everyone, but I've worked at organizations where unfortunately, like you can't attend training because it's too expensive. There's no training budget that leaves like limited room for your career growth and your learning, right? But due to the availability of training providers such as A Cloud Guru, Pluralsight, Udemy, O'Reilly Books, just to name a few, uh, Linux Academy used to be a great one, but kind of combined with A Cloud Guru, those are some of the training providers that I sought out. And and the cool thing about them is like they have you know they have learning tracks for different specialties such as security, for example, but they also have tracks for you know DevOps and other specialties as well. And the cool thing is they have video courses where you can watch their tailored whether it's tailored to a certain certification or tailored just to a general knowledge area that you're looking to learn more about, such as security. Many of these training providers also have built-in lab environments. So you can go directly into your web browser and just be thrown into like, you know, AWS or Azure or wherever and start doing some hands-on lab activities, which is great because, you know, you may be working at an organization that really isn't either adopting cloud quite yet, or you're not in a position, unfortunately, where you get that hands-on experience. So I found like those kind of things where you can go into the lab, just do some labbing and some practicing is great. Not only that, but you can get started yourself with these cloud providers, you know, with just a credit card, pretty cheap. They have free tier. Um, you can go in there and just do some basic labbing and learning. And that's one great thing to do. And the cool thing is like a lot of these training providers, they not only work from your PC, but they work from your mobile device. You know, so I, I would find myself, you know, commuting back when commuting was such a thing. You know, I would find myself watching training videos about, you know, AWS certification, whether I was pursuing like the Solution Architect Associate or things like that. Uh, so that's definitely in terms of training providers, a, a way to approach it. But I always give some practical advice. You know, people ask this question too. And I always ask them like, well, what industry are you working in? Because that kind of dictates like what the major cloud service provider is for the most part. You know, for example, like uh, Azure has a very big footprint in, in healthcare or retail, things like that. AWS has a, a great footprint in many other industries. But, you know, or what, what organization are you with now and what cloud service providers are they using? That can kind of dictate your learning as well, right? You want it to be applicable to the roles you're in or the roles you're pursuing. And then also, you know, starting with that vendor agnostic approach of just learning what is cloud? What are the fundamentals of cloud security before you dive into too many specifics from a certain cloud service provider? So just seek out those, those training providers that I mentioned. Again, A Cloud Guru, Linux Academy, O'Reilly Books, Udemy, Pluralsight, some great ones. There's also Cloud Academy. I mean, there's so many of them out there and they're all fairly cheap, you know, and, and can be done from home, you know, uh, on your phone, on your PC. Uh, so those are some great recommendations is just align it with where you are, you know, what are the relevant technology providers now, which ones. Uh, and also I, I tend to tell people to look at the market, you know, what are leading cloud service providers that are, are being used, right? You obviously want to tailor your learning towards what the market dictates in terms of what people are using, because that's going to align with your opportunities in terms of careers. That's all great advice. I know I I echo that about there are so many great training providers out there. I use a cloud guru too, just because I I've, was interested in learning more about AWS. So I've been learning AWS through a cloud guru. They have great resources. It is relatively inexpensive, even if you have a smaller training budget or no training budget. So that's all great advice for someone to get started. So then kind of to tailor onto that, do you feel like learning a cloud platform, whether AWS, Azure, whatever, whatever it might be, do you feel like it's really an essential component of being in IT or security today? I definitely do. I can't emphasize it enough, honestly. Like organizations are overwhelmingly adopting cloud. And I've seen, unfortunately, seen some of my peers make a comment, you know, such as like, oh, the cloud is just someone else's computer. And, and I feel like that's kind of, I hate to put it this way, but it's kind of an ignorant comment that doesn't represent the true capability of what cloud provides and what's driving organizations and businesses to adopt it. If you're in the career field and you have some work ahead of you in terms of years that you'll be working, it's it's 
you know, it's fundamental that you learn cloud because organizations are overwhelmingly moving to it. If you want to advance your career, uh, stay relevant, have great career opportunities, you need to understand cloud, at least at a high level. I mean, maybe you don't need to be a SME, you know, really dive deep necessarily, depending on your role, but you at least need to understand it at a high level. You know, what what is cloud? How does it work? Why is it appealing to an organization? What are some of the risks associated with it? Uh, these are all things that you should be looking into. You know, if you're, like I said, if you're a professional working in today's world, especially given what we've just seen with COVID and uh, the rapid acceleration of digital transformation, which is all fundamentally kind of hinging on utilizing cloud to, to facilitate that, you definitely should be learning cloud. Yeah, great advice. I know, um, you know, for a few years now, it's really been something we we have to learn. I completely agree. I think it's something even, you know, even though I'm not hands-on with AWS every day, I'm taking that time to learn about it, to understand it, to really understand it from a technical and a security perspective, because I think you have to really understand both. Especially if you're in security, you need to understand how it's being implemented to make sure it's being implemented properly. So that kind of, to shift gears a little bit, but I'm, I'm curious how you feel about hybrid cloud environments. Do you recommend them? How do you feel about them? Kind of, uh, oh, wh- where do you think we should go with hybrid cloud? Yeah, this is definitely um, a good topic, a good question, and it it really depends on the situation of the organization or the entities involved. You know, obviously, if you're an organization that's been around for quite some time, you're going to have an on-premise footprint of some sort. Unless you're like a startup, for example, you're not starting with a greenfield cloud environment. You have an on-premise legacy architecture and infrastructure that you're basically looking to migrate to the cloud. Um, That said, not only will you have some legacy architecture that you know you have on-premise if you've been around for a while, you're not a startup, for example. Uh, but depending on the nature of the organization, you may have some workloads that are too sensitive or, you know, whatever the case is, there's something that some kind of business, um, you know, requirement that's dictating that they stay on premise. Maybe you don't move everything to the cloud or maybe there's something that just doesn't fit for the, for the cloud, for example. So I think that's definitely, uh, I, I think hybrid cloud environments are a reality for many organizations. Uh, but if you are intent on moving to the cloud and say you're a newer organization like a startup, I mean, you don't have some kind of unique security requirements or something keeping them on, on premise you know, start where you're going to be, right? If you're going to the cloud and you have an opportunity to start fresh, just just start in the cloud, right? You know, I think that makes the most sense. So it really depends on the organization, their history, their architecture, their infrastructure, and their security requirements. So I think that all encompassing, you know, hybrid cloud is a, cloud is a reality for many. It just really depends on the organization. Yeah. And I, I wanted to hop in here too, because we start, then we start talking about complexity, complexity of the environment. And it's something that I try to talk about a lot with leadership, with my peers, that the, the more complexity you add to your environment, especially if you do try to do things really quickly, uh, you're adding complexity and then you're potentially creating more security issues if you, try to move to the cloud really quickly, or you're just like, hey, we've got these five projects, immediately move them to the cloud. I, I start to get concerned when people try to move too quickly without having a well-architected, well-documented, you know, really well-thought-out plan about how to kind of get to the cloud. How do you feel about that? No, it's it's absolutely spot on. I think we've even seen the industry, you know, just to use the DoD as an example, because I mentioned I have a lot of experience there. Um, you know, we saw initially DoD had cloud first, right? That was their policy in, in 2011. And now we've seen it advance and mature to cloud smart. As you said, like complex systems, in my opinion, tend to fall, uh, fail in complex ways. <laughs> and uh, it can be a lot harder to unravel exactly what caused the problem. And a lot of it's not only related to necessarily just the architecture and, and you know, the infrastructure, but there's also the workforce and the, the competencies component to your organization. If you don't have personnel on staff who have, you know, deep expertise with AWS, Azure, GCP, for example, you know, or whatever cloud platforms you're moving to, 
and you try to rush into those environments, you're going to run into a lot of issues, you know, not just in terms of poor architecture and things like that, but also security concerns. An overwhelming majority of, uh, you know, basically cloud data leaks and cloud data breaches, for example, are caused by customer misconfigurations. And that's likely due to their workforce not necessarily being prepared or being proficient with those platforms quite yet. So they try to move too fast and they don't have the resources in place to help facilitate not only that that speed, but the security of of the migration as well. So you definitely want to have it, like you said, have a well thought out process and plan in place as far as migrating to the cloud. And it has to include not just, you know, technical aspects, but your workforce, uh, your processes. You know, you need to align those things to a cloud native way of doing things as well. Yeah, that's very important. I think the the training, the architecture, the design has to kind of come first and think about what needs to be in the cloud. That's kind of my other how I kind of how I feel about cloud, hybrid cloud environments or you know when you're migrating to the cloud, what actually needs to be there and maybe what doesn't. If you have a case for it, it makes sense, it's going to speed things up or you're doing development, you're doing software development and it's much easier to do in the cloud. That makes total sense. But consider what should be there. And maybe if you don't need to have whether, like you said, sensitive documents or sensitive data to make sure that you think about it before you kind of just move everything to the cloud. Yeah, I mean, all all those decisions, you're, you're 100% spot on. All those decisions should be driven by, you know, you shouldn't be just chasing the technology, right? Because it's because it's trendy and other people are doing it. Like, you should have a solid business case associated with why you're doing what you're doing, what the benefits to the organizations are going to be, you know, and have that thought out before just jumping on some technology because everyone else is doing it. It has to be well thought out and associated with critical business objectives. Yeah, absolutely. And so you touched on a couple of some of the concerns when moving to cloud or in in a cloud environment as far as misconfiguration, maybe lack of training. So do you feel like those are really the biggest threats to cloud architecture, any type of cloud environment? Or, you know, do you feel like there might be some other bigger risks out there? There's certainly other risks. You know, I think customer misconfiguration is among some of the top ones we've seen. Interestingly enough, you know, I shared something recently is, uh, as we talked about earlier, like cloud is very easy to get started with from a learning perspective, right? You can spin up an environment with a credit card, for example, and an email address. But the same can be said for, for malicious actors, right? We're starting to see more malicious actors take advantage of the cloud because it provides them a level of anonymity. You know, they can go in there and just kind of spin up an environment, start performing malicious activities against other environments. And it can be, you know, a great playground for them as well to learn and practice their their trade. Yeah, I actually, this is something I've noticed recently. There's been a lot of trends of scanning coming from AWS servers. There's a lot of scanning coming from those servers because they're easy to spin up, run some scans, see what you can find and then pop them back down. And nobody will ever be able to access them. You might collect some IPs or maybe some host names, but by the time you do that, those servers may already be down. So it's this interesting kind of conundrum we're in now. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's that kind of that ephemeral nature of the cloud and dynamic nature of it where you can, like you said, spin something up, you know, do some malicious activity and tear it down. And as I said, you can get started with an email address and a credit card. I mean, it's not too difficult to buy like a prepaid credit card, right? You know, and, and then like have a kind of a throwaway email address. And so I'm sure people are doing those kind of activities to cover their tracks and, and perform malicious, uh, you know, actions against others and leveraging the cloud as kind of their base to do that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm interested to see kind of where that goes, because cloud adoption, as you mentioned, is becoming more prevalent. More people are even starting with cloud environments and not having anything on prem, which makes total sense. But I am curious about, you know, seeing kind of where the future of how uh, malicious actors are, are going to be leveraging cloud. I think it adds, like we we're talking about complexity, I think it adds another layer of complexity for 
us as network defenders to be concerned with, to make sure that we're thinking about too. Because if if we're using the cloud, they're using it too. You know, so it's yeah. Not only the malicious actors, but you know, just the incredible. Like we talked about the rate of adoption, right? Um, I was reading something earlier that that was really interesting, and it talks about just the scope of the impact that the cloud service providers can have. Say an outage, not even something malicious, but just an outage. Say like S3 goes down, or or Azure Active Directory, right? As recently had an incident. If that goes down, the thousands and thousands of organizations that that impacts across like the entire ecosystem. It's just totally crazy because they're just so pervasive across so many industries, so many organizations. Yeah, there was a there was an instance. It was a few years ago where I think like AWS East went down and there was it was like Instagram and tons of other, you know, social media. There were shop shopping websites. I mean, everything was down and down hard. So it is this interesting, I I think one of those things I try to bring to whether it's cloud or on-prem or whatever security I'm looking at, I try to think about balance. That's why I say like, maybe it's great to move certain things into the cloud and that's fine, but consider your backups, consider how are you going to spin this back up if this environment does go down? Because it's the same you would have on-prem, you have to have a backup strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've talked about hybrid cloud, but there's also the the concept of multi-cloud, you know, which a lot of people take as meaning, you know, multiple cloud service providers, you know, say AWS East goes down, you know, maybe you have a footprint on Azure or another cloud provider to kind of restore connectivity and, and keep your business continuity. But that also goes back to something else we talked about, which is complexity. Uh, so if you're running those environments in multiple cloud service provider environments or on-prem and in the cloud, uh, you know, that's that increases the uh, complexity of things exponentially. So you need to be prepared to ma- maintain and manage that and have it properly configured, architected, et cetera, to step in when needed, uh, which is no easy feat. Yes, I agree. It is very difficult to make sure. I know from a security perspective, it can be really difficult when you're trying to not only make sure that you have eyes on all of these environments, that you're monitoring them appropriately, that you're alerting appropriately, that you have these configurations set up properly, but that you're also, you're monitoring them, but you're making sure that they are secure from the onset. And then as you go along, are those security settings still set? So if you have three environments you have to look at versus one, that makes the administrative overhead higher, more difficult to secure, more considerations because best practice guides are going to be different for Azure versus AWS. You're going to handle things a little bit differently in each environment. So that kind of brings us to another question as we're talking about all these potentials for different environments. What what do you see as some of the emerging trends in cloud and cloud security? Yeah, I definitely think uh, some of the things that we see in terms of trends around cloud and cloud security is the increased adoption of things such as DevSecOps. You know, so organizations moving towards, you know, more of a CICD, you know, containerized based approach to computing, which we see really taking off, you know, with things such as Kubernetes. And then also I see maybe uh, from the policy perspective, maybe some evolving laws, you know, regulations uh, around, you know, cybersecurity and privacy and things of that nature, just due to how pervasive cloud is and, and the consumption of it and how many people it impacts. I also think we're seeing a lot of innovation you know, and it's something I've wrote about recently as well, a lot of innovation and, and capability, you know, that cloud can provide. Like we talked about the risks associated with cloud, but when done correctly, in my opinion, cloud can actually be superior to on-premise security in many ways due to its event-driven nature, you know, and in the, in the API kind of architected construct that it operates in. Like say, on, from the compliance perspective, this is something I wrote about recently. From a compliance perspective, we typically think of, you know, snapshots in time, you would do an assessment and then you don't check back for another period of time. Maybe you're providing screenshots to, you know, show test to configurations, things like that. 
uh, with the cloud and some of the capabilities that the cloud service providers have created, as well as third-party vendors as well, you can basically monitor and assess your environments in near real time. You know, can basically uh, move beyond just saying, hey, there's a, a lack of compliance and you can move towards what's called auto remediation. Uh, so having an event-driven architecture where someone makes an insecure configuration or a misconfiguration of some sort, and you basically resort it back to a compliant or secure state automatically on demand based on those uh, event-driven uh, uh, scenarios. So those are some of the things I definitely see emerging and definitely improving and maturing as we move forward. Yeah, that adds the the addition of automation too. So instead of someone clicking around or you know waiting for a scan report to see the scan report and then put in a change request to have that change that was maybe changed into a poor configuration back, you're doing these things at a much faster uh, rate. There's also a lot of really great security tools that come with, I know with AWS and there's they have all these uh, like guard duty and there's all kinds of AWS uh, tools that you can get. Some of them are free, some of them cost depending on you know what you're doing, but there are a lot of great tools already built in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that, and, and those have multifaceted benefits. This is something we talked about, you know, the workforce, for example, is something we touched on with AJ and Dutch, and, and we've talked, talked, talked on this uh, with Naomi as well. Organizations simply don't have robust cybersecurity staff in many cases. They have a lack of people, a lack of expertise, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, of course, that we talked about, uh, but that is a reality. And so one way to address that is, like, as you mentioned, through automation. You know, as if I have cloud services that are constantly scanning my environment, looking for things that are uh, malicious or suspicious, or even auto remediating things that are uh, could cause uh, risk to an organization, that frees up my staff to go and do some other activities that may require more, you know, more thought intensive, more cognitive focus, things like that. So it can help with the workforce aspect of things as well as improving the security posture, mitigating the time that an incident occurs. We all know that there's a, you know, the term dwell time. How long has something been happening without us even being aware? Uh, so leveraging automation can definitely help on a lot of fronts, you know, from the workforce to the technical perspective as well. Yeah, that's great input there. So that'll kind of take us to our last question. So we usually talk about cyber resiliency with with our guests and kind of how do they feel about cyber resiliency either to them or to their sector. So how do you think specifically around cloud environments? What do you think cyber resiliency means to those? Yeah, this is something, uh, you know, I talked about when done correctly, the ability for cloud to do things better than on-premise in some cases. You know, I think that cloud, for the most part, obviously there's outages and there's going to be incidents that's unavoidable for nearly any system of any sort, especially when you're talking these hyperscale providers who are doing things that no one's ever done. But the way they've constructed their architecture from availability zones, you know, regions, things of that nature, it just provides a much more robust and resilient architecture than typically can be done on-premise, especially you know, for an organization that doesn't have the funds to stand up infrastructure and, and architectures in multiple geographical locations, allowing, you know, fault redundant environments and allowing, uh, you know, failover to secondary backup environments and regions, things of that nature. And then there's also, you know, technologies such as infrastructure as code, uh, where say, if you do have some kind of incident, you can immediately spin up a, a replicated environment in a different region or a different availability zone that mimics what you had in place and, and quickly restore, you know, function to your organization. Uh, so those kind of things allow you know, cyber resiliency at a much higher level, in my opinion, than traditional on-premise and legacy uh, technologies do. Yeah, I think your mention of infrastructure as code, it, it's really, really important. I think it's kind of a game changer. Like I remember learning about it maybe like a year ago. I was like, ooh, this is a game changer. This is something, this is something that I think a lot of businesses can businesses, organizations can really benefit from just awareness that this is a possibility, especially if you're moving to a, a cloud environment. 
Yeah. So with that said, I mean, like you talked about, it's something that can be used by organizations. And, uh, you know, I think this is, is also beneficial in the sense that like these cloud providers have worked with thousands and thousands of organizations across every possible industry imaginable. Uh, so when you leverage something as like a reference architecture or an infrastructure as code that's tailored to maybe you have a certain compliance framework that you need to adhere to, for example, uh, this can really expedite, you know, getting an infrastructure and, and an environment in place, taking that infrastructure as code that's aligned with XYZ framework, for example, and quickly spinning it up in the cloud service provider's environment. Uh, that can help, you know, not only from the speed and security perspective, but maybe you don't have the expertise again, as we talked about, just taking this as a starting point and quickly getting up to speed. You know, is hugely beneficial to organizations. You know, in, from security and and time perspective. Yeah. Well, when you talk about uh, when we talk about disaster recovery and we and and the ability to bring environments back up, you know, a warm site or a hot site, you're really taking that time taking that time down from the onset of a maybe a major outage or something malicious happened to bringing that environment back up. So you 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 limit that time uh, that you're actually down hard, which is always a, a huge benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Being able to restore, you know, connectivity or operation quickly, you know, especially in this world, uh, this digital economy we find ourselves in, right? Uh, customers and you know, organizations demand availability. And that's one of the best ways to achieve it for sure. Awesome. Well, I am so glad that we got to spend some time talking about cloud security with you and, and cloud environments. And I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode. So thanks everybody for joining uh, and we will see you guys on the next one.